Ryan, are you there? Hello, Michael. Hello, Internet. Hello, world. Hello, worldwide Internet. Welcome to another edition of the Buck and Sack Show. I'm Michael Sachs in Richmond, Virginia. Ryan Buckley, you're joining us from outside Portland, Oregon. Ryan, it's Tuesday night, August 11th, 2020. Stop if you've heard this before, but we are very much in the middle of a global pandemic. How are you? All things considered, I am well. It is Good. a uh, it is a pretty big sports day up here in Portland as the Blazers are fighting for their playoff lives as yeah. we speak, or the their eight seed lives as we speak. And uh, and then in uh, well, actually, just a few moments ago, the Timbers, that's Portland's MLS team, kicked Timber! it off for the championship game of the MLS's back tournament. So championship game already? I, you mean uh, I missed the whole season? Well, so here's the thing. The, the MLS's back tournament is just a tournament to symbolize the MLS's back. They're going to go back to their regularly scheduled league play following this tournament. But this kind of just helped them re-catch up and get on schedule, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, it was a, you know, basically allowed them to, to play. They're going to, the, the league has not mandated that they play to. So Portland... I think Portland that I love playing. that. I think that's great. I hope yeah, some Portland fans will be get playing to playing in an empty stadium, but I have heard that there are yeah. possibly some protests. Uh, possibly. Outside, yeah. Any anything's on the table at this point. Well that's cool. I appreciate the reminder that Dame Dollar yeah. is facing Luca here Dame's on my television. I've I mean, forgotten and I well, now, I'm now just telling you this live on a taped podcast, but uh Dame's got forty two oh, yeah. with uh with seven and a half minutes to go. Right, and so they win. They're, I think, a half. Well, game so actually, as of halftime of this game, there was a four-way tie for eighth place between the Grizz, Blazers, uh, uh, Spurs, and Suns. So, um, if the Blazers okay. win, they will have a half-game lead here. Uh, well, we can just get right into it. It's actually kind of my good of footing around here a little bit. Yeah, we're just my week. My good of the week is this NBA format, and I think when it was first unveiled that we were going to send 22 teams to a bubble, and some teams that certainly seemed like non-contenders, that didn't make a lot of sense. There were a lot of people thinking, we should just jump right into the playoffs here. But the system, at least in the Western Conference, that Adam Silver and company orchestrated has been absolutely perfect. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone expected the Suns to be 7-0 and at this point and vying for a playoff spot, but here they are. Um, the other thing that I really like, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you remember this little wrinkle that they added, but basically they said that uh, if anyone is within two games of the uh, playoffs at the end of these uh, these eight games, that there will be... Um, a, a play-in series between the eight and nine seeds, um, but the higher seed or the better seed only has to win one game, whereas the lower seed would have to win two. So oh. the Blazers are uh, hoping they can get that eight seed, so they only need one more game to win, get in the playoffs. But if they get the nine, they could theoretically beat the eight seed twice in a row and still make the playoffs. So I think the format is genius. I think that, like, really. I think Major League Baseball should go to something like this for their wild one-game wildcard plan. I think mm-hmm. you should at least give the home team the benefit of only needing to win one, whereas the away team maybe has to win two. Um, but I, this kind of drama for the eight seed certainly surprised some people. I mean, Memphis has um, has not performed well, but really, and neither has has New Orleans, but really everyone else um, in that fringe area have the Blazers, the Spurs, and the Suns have all been pretty much lights out. I mean, we've got some of our well, the Suns NBA are pet. undefeated, aren't they? They're seven and zero, and they only have Brooklyn left on their schedule. They 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 very well may go eight and zero here. 
Incredible. I, okay, yeah. so I didn't really know about that play-in situation. Um, I had forgotten. And then I was looking at it today at the various clinch scenarios, and they were talking about that playing game. And it was, you know, mm-hmm. it was like a graphic. I didn't really get it at all. I didn't understand it. I was looking forward to talking to you about it. So that actually sounds really cool. I didn't realize I, I looked at the standings this morning to see who was playing tonight, and I saw uh, Portland and Dallas were facing off, and then I kind of got into mm-hmm. it a little bit. I didn't realize the Spurs were in it as well. I think that's great. Um, I, I think it's awesome. I mean, what a great I idea. I mean, Spurs, the Spurs doing it without their number one player, LaMarcus Aldridge, he's not playing. The The Suns, everyone had kind of written off, Devin Booker is like a man on fire yeah, right now. Could. And then Damian Lillard is doing his Damian Lillard things in like, you know, last And Nurkic and Zach Collins have returned from injury. They have. They've looked very good. Right. Um, and actually, another guy who's been standing out is Gary Trent Jr. has been shooting almost 60% right. from shack, three. He's the a shack bit... of the Mac son. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's been a little bit off tonight. But in general, the bla- everyone, there's been a lot of high scoring. I think we talked about this a little bit beforehand. I'd even heard um, some speculation that because – a lot of these teams weren't really able to practice much together during their time off, that there wasn't going to be a lot of great team defense and a lot of communication on defense. And I think we're starting, we're seeing that to a degree, but at the same time, I, I don't mind some of these high scoring affairs that have been going on and, and seeing the league's best players have some outstanding performances. So I, my, my good of the week is basically this, at least the Western conference coming right down to the wire with some surprise players being in the mix, and uh, and I'm excited for the drama that's going to ensue. Yeah, I am too. I, I got to be honest, as I always am uh, with you <laughs> on this show. I haven't been watching much of the NBA. I, I've been following it. I haven't been watching much. Um, I'm kind of saving it up for the playoffs, mainly because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing on the TV. It's hard for me to get that into it just because... They're all in this bubble. I don't think home court advantage, obviously, is going to matter at all in the playoffs because there's no home court. So, you know, maybe a a team could jockey for position to get a matchup they want or don't want. That doesn't really Mm -hmm. seem to be the case. I mean, the only real drama, the East is basically set. The West is not, as you detail, but they're basically vying for the eighth spot to play the Lakers, so mm-hmm. I can't get that into it, but it is good. I and, mean, and I it is nice that. to I have mean, it on the TV. Yeah, well, and here here locally, there's obviously lots of emphasis on the Blazers, so I've been invested uh, from from that standpoint. And yeah, I mean, you're probably playing for the right to lose to LeBron and company, but uh, I just I had lots of doubts specifically about the format of the restart, and uh, all all of the results are, are proving those doubts wrong. It's been fantastic, and I think that. The last time we talked, it, it, we had seen like one game at that point, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I I'm not saying I'm not watching it. I'm watching some. I'm not sitting down and watching full games yet. I am going to be dialed in to the playoffs. Um, I can't wait. I think it's going to be great. Um, I'm just amazed, as is everybody, about how well this thing has gone so far. No negative tests. Um, everybody seems to be happy. You're not hearing any stories about any shenanigans, which I thought we would see. Um, Except for Lou Williams that one time. Well, yeah, and we talked about that on the last show. <laughs> yeah. But outside yeah. of that, nothing. And, you know, right. these guys, I was wondering a little bit how, how much they would be into it, how much of a real competition it would be. Will we see teams not really trying that hard, wanting to lose and go home? We aren't seeing that at all. 
the NBA and, the, and everybody that put this together and all the players, the coaches, the referees, the broadcasters, everybody, everybody involved deserves all the credit in the world. It's truly amazing. And I think at this point, it's, it's been such a success for the last two weeks that everybody just sort of almost takes for granted that we're going to get a full playoff all the way through. Not so fast, my friend. I mean, I don't know. I think it's way too early to say that. It still wouldn't surprise me if a big-time player or, or really any player got the virus in some way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, we saw today what happened in New Zealand where they hadn't had a positive case for over 100 days. All of mm -hmm. a sudden now they have four positive cases. Not a big deal, I don't think, at all for them, although they're certainly treating it as such. But if, mm -hmm. if that were to happen in the NBA, it would be a much bigger deal. Um, just because of, of the spotlight. Yeah, and on you that. know what? And there's still the possibility of that. Now, remember, when they go to playoffs, um, they are going to be allowing families to join them in the bubble. Not, I know at, that they not are going until to... after at least the first round. Right. No, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just meant over the course of the playoffs, that will happen. Right. I'm not saying yet right, right away, but yeah. I, but they're going to get tested. You know, they will have rigorous protocols in, in yeah. place, but I still, I still think you are adding another level of risk to the mix by doing you this. You are, and... And, you know, again, going back to our conversation two weeks ago, I don't know who's coming and going on private jets in and out of the Orlando airport. So, <laughs> you know, there's that. But so far, so good. I mean, more than good. I just think the ambiance, the, the graphic presentation. The production is great. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the, the crowd noise, it's a little cheesy. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it's as good. Good. It's not as no, good. No, 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 no. Nobody would what argue they that. Had to work with. It's outstanding. It's it's been fucking great. No doubt mm -hmm. about it. And I am primed and ready for the playoffs as I sit here and watch your boy Dame Dollar hit another free throw. So yeah, they're down now four over 50 right now again. Yeah, they're they're down. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, there it is. Fifty points, but they trail by four. Make it three. Blazers down three. Five forty-eight left. Luca brings it up. So that's where we're at. Um, <laughs> and you with your good of the week. My good of the week is the PGA Championship that went down over the weekend at Harding Park in San it Francisco. Was awesome. I'm glad you chose this because I, I loved this event. This I loved it. And Ryan, I don't want to be a man accused of being over hyperbolic, but I'm going to say this right now. <laughs> it's one of my favorite sporting events of all time. Wow. All time. I loved it. I thought it, like, as a sports fan, I needed it. It's been a long time without a major championship sporting event to watch mm -hmm. on the television. I was ready for it. I loved it. It was fantastic. I thought the presentation was great. I thought the play was great. And then, you know, for me, I, I lived in San Francisco for the last 12 years. So I was fortunate. I got my city card, you know, almost every mm -hmm. year. And played Harding Park, which is a municipal course in San Francisco. And, you know, if you get that city card, you can play for about 45, 50 bucks midweek. I played that mm -hmm. course probably 20 times. So That's amazing. It, it's very rare. I mean, it never happens to where a major championship is played on a course that I've played ever, much less a yeah. lot, and know yeah. all the holes. That enhanced it a great deal for me. Um, but. Outside, I mean, that was a big part of my enjoyment, but I just thought it was awesome. I watched many hours of that tournament on all four days. I watched probably five or six hours on both Saturday and Sunday, start to finish. I thought it was awesome. Colin Marikaya with one of the greatest shots I've ever seen on the 16th hole 
the reachable Oof, par yeah, that, four. The tee shot to set up the eagle, yeah. Unbelievable. Tremendous shot, great putt. Then, he, you know, he nearly birdies 17 and 18. He's got the cat, you know, he's 23 years old out of Cal Berkeley nearby. He's played the course a lot. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. got, he's got the Cal Bears uh, yardage book, even on the first tee. You heard a couple of the volunteers. I don't know who go they Bears. Yeah, the Go Bears thing, which is hilarious and a joke unto itself. We don't need to get into that. But I'm happy for him. Uh, a tremendous champion. You know, he had won earlier in the year. He's been really hot. And I, along with my buddy Scott, shout out to Scott, uh, on our offshore account, we put $2.50 on young Mr. Morikaya at, oh, at oh, 275 oh. to 1 before Saturday's wow. round. So before the third round. So you do the math. It was a good day. So that's great. So I was actually, I was a little bit dejected because on Thursday before this thing got going, I was looking up and my dark horse pick was Max Homa because he went to Cal. Mm-hmm. Little did I know I should have gone with the much more hotter this season, Colin Morikawa. Yeah, uh, he was great and a great betting win, but love the tournament. That's a hell of a betting win. Um, uh, just a, qu- a couple quick notes on the broadcast. I think CBS, it seems, is getting a lot of criticism I'm not sure how much it's deserved, but Ian Baker Finch drives me fucking nuts. And he has forever. Uh, the, the Australian, he never shuts up. He's Captain Obvious. I can't stand him. Get him off the TV. He's driven me nuts forever. But this particular tournament, I thought he was at his all-time worst, which is saying a lot. On the converse, I thought when Phil Mickelson was in the booth on Saturday... The highlight of the tournament, really, other than Morikaya's win and his drive on 16. I thought Mickelson was excellent. I see him having a very bright future in the broadcasting mm-hmm. business. I think he can step into the booth and take Nick Faldo's job yesterday, and he would be every bit as popular as Tony Romo. I think he brings right. the same amount of enthusiasm and energy and candor and fun. I thought he was fantastic. CBS or, or NBC... But CBS has the bigger package. If C- CBS should do everything they can to get Phil Mickelson, get Ian Baker Finch the fuck out of here, and you know, let's get, let's get this done. I thought he was great. No, the only thing I think, um, you know, holding that back from happening is Phil actually wanting to do that. You know, all, you know, for an entire season sure. worth of golf, or at least for the majors or right. something. But he was a total natural. I think we hear, you know, we heard some of that during the match and other opportunities where we've had to hear him mic'd up. He's, he's so articulate. He, he brings such an interesting perspective to the game. Obviously, uh, you know, he's got the pedigree to back it up, but you know, they were kind of joking on the broadcast. It was like having a fireside chat and it was, it was just, it was very comfortable, very easy, very Romo esque as you kind of point out. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's absolutely a no brainer. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then, uh, you know, I also enjoyed just how wide open the leaderboard was towards the end. It yeah. seemed like it was a competitive. It was a competitive tournament. Seven way tie through. for the lead, Ryan, on the back nine yeah. on Sunday at one point. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you you mentioned it with Morikawa just hitting incredible shots. He went bogey free on his final round. That that drive on sixteen was absolutely monster. But chip in on fourteen. It was, it was it was just a it was a it was a really intriguing tournament. The course was pristine. Um, it was, and then you know you like to see some of the drama. You had some big names uh, in the mix. You had some guys taking shots at each other. There's the you know Bryson DeChambeau, 
um, who, who's been taking some heat. Now it's Brooks Kepka who's taken a little for maybe disrespecting some of the leaderboard. Wait, hold on. Murray Let's stop. Not, maybe? Maybe disrespecting? Brian, I'm <laughs> glad you brought that up. That was unbelievable. I, all my years of following golf, I've never seen a more arrogant comment from somebody. I mean, he wasn't... People thought that he was taking a shot at, at DJ for always only having the one major... No, no. He was taking a shot at the entire field, and not only did he was he, taking a shot at the field for sure. And, and, it was I don't think you. I, I think he's actually buddies with DJ. I think he, he he mostly meant I'm not impressed with the leaderboard ahead of me. Totally, except for maybe DJ. totally. And I think that yeah. that was kind of lost on the public. And not only mm-hmm. that, he said it live after his round on CBS to Amanda Balionis, who, by the way, I think she's great. She does a great job. I like her a lot. He said it to her. Then he doubled down on it in the press conference to the media at large. He said the same exact thing. It was unbelievable. It was so disrespectful. It was just jaw-dropping. You never hear a golfer call out his fellow competitors. I mean, there's a brotherhood there that's unique to that sport. You never hear that. I couldn't believe it. Then he goes out and shoots a plus four on Sunday. Second worst round of anyone still left in the field at that point. Got what he deserved. Good for him. And then I like I also liked the the Rory comments where he said well, I was kind of taken aback to hear him uh, even mention DJ because DJ's got twenty one tour wins which is like three times as many right. as Brooks right right and he said that he he wouldn't have said that because Rory McIlroy is not the most humble person I've ever seen but he doesn't disrespect his fellow mm-hmm. competitors like that he, and I don't with with Brooks I think he just doesn't care. I, I think I don't think he's Such going an out thinking I am going to. I, I don't think he's thinking I'm going to make a point of disrespecting these guys. I just think he doesn't give a shit. I I, I totally agree. I mean, he's a he's an enigma. I want to know more. I, I just thought uh, like you, so many storylines. I've met. I mean, you've mentioned most of them. Uh, you know, DJ. Now this is his fourth major, having the lead going into Sunday, mm-hmm. and he hasn't won any of them. Uh, just tied for the tied for the most all time. Right, also. and you know, Morikaya joins a list. Here's the other 23-year-olds to win a major. You've got Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, and Rory McIlroy, right? That's the list. And now Colin Morikaya. So, and, in, and, and, in, and he shot the lowest final round ever, uh, or, the, the, or the, he was the youngest ever to break 65 in the final round of a major. Incredible. Fabulous. One of my favorite, one of my favorite sporting events of all time. I, like I said before, and no, I'm going to end on this. I thought this was just sort of a, a golf nerd thing. I was a little bit surprised to see how much commentary there was out there about how, you know, oh, you know, the lack of fans really hurt it. Like, clearly these people haven't been watching golf since they came back here during the pandemic. I've been watching it almost every week. For me, it didn't really bother me because I'm used to it. I knew what to expect. I think that there are aspects of the no fans at these golf tournaments that are actually better. I, of course, want the fans back. I, of course, think it's better with the fans. But it didn't really bother me. I think there's an element to it that I enjoy. There's two things. One, I think the players actually play a little better across the board because you don't have so many guys choking under the pressure. The pressure clearly is a little bit less. And I think that helps the overall quality of play. So I like that. And then I just don't miss all the douchebags, you know, yelling, get in the <laughs> hole or, you know, sliced Mashed ham. potatoes. Or, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. I don't miss that at all. But, you know, I, I, of course, like everybody in, in the country, I want fans 
back at the event for a variety of reasons. Yeah, but I don't I don't think it's taking away from the product. I right don't now. either. I think that, that may be your it, point. It and and yes, we, we of course we want fans back, but it's not hurting the game. Not that much. No. Um, okay, that's my good of the week. What's your bad? Well, I think my bad kind of pales in comparison to the one you had teed up. So I'd like to get to that one first. Well, let's talk a little college football, Michael. Tim, hit me with your bad of the week. Yeah, my bad of the week is uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 today announced they're not going to play college football this fall. And it looks like we may, I mean, I don't know what the percentages are, but we're, we're heading towards a scenario where there's zero college football this fall. Now, it does seem like as we sit here tonight, on Tuesday night, August the 11th, that both the SEC and the ACC basically put out statements saying that we plan on playing still. Um, so I'm, I get, you know, I'm not sure which side of all this I am, but first, more than anything, I guess I'm a fan. I mean, it's my favorite sport, as it is you. I want to see some college football in, in if it's safe. So, I mean, that's basically my stance. I'm not sure if it can be safe. I do think that there is a chance it could be safe, at least for mm-hmm. a while. So, you know, I want them to try to play for as long as they possibly can. I'm disappointed that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten decided to cancel today. I don't really understand that. Now, the Big Ten's first game, I believe, is on what? September the 3rd, which is a Thursday between Ohio State and Illinois. I mean, that's getting, we're getting close, but we're not there yet. We're about two weeks Mm -hmm. out, two weeks from, uh, what, we're 16 days out. I don't think that they needed to cancel today, so I'm disappointed in that. It seems like, I mean, Jim Harbaugh put out a statement about how all the, you know, the protocols and the testing that Michigan has, it seems like most schools are actually doing pretty well with this virus right now. I mean, you you hear, you know, the the we want to play stuff. I mean, there's so many things to get into, but Gene. I'm disappointed they canceled it this early. I don't think they need to. I think that they can wait until at least the Monday of the week of the first game to make this decision. And I hope, you know, the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 are still on schedule. They've pushed their season start date back, which I think was smart. And I think they ought to continue to practice and see how it goes. I do think that... The argument that the players are safer on campus with all the medical attention and the training staff and the testing protocols and all the safety measures that they all these schools now in the Power Five, they all have them in place, it seems. All the players seem fairly comfortable with the measures that these schools have put in place. Mm-hmm. I think they're safer there than they are anywhere else. I mean, I truly believe that is true. That being said, there are perfectly good medical reasons to cancel this season. And and I and I understand, appreciate, and respect that. I've kind of seen this coming all along. So I'm far from mm-hmm. surprised. I'm surprised that so many people seem to be surprised. But I'm disappointed and sad. And I'm also hopeful that we the SEC and the ACC and the Big Twelve can figure out a way to at least play a game or two at the very least and that nobody suffers any terrible health ramifications. So, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at on a, on a general level. Uh, how about you? Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously disappointed that those decisions have been made. I, I do understand why they've been made. Um, I, I think my overall sentiment is a lot of frustration because I feel like, 
um, the leadership in the conferences and at the universities um, and even locally in some places, you know, outside of, you know, just in the communities um, didn't work hard enough at this at the outset. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, you know, the, the community, the, the nation, whatever. But like I, I also I read a report that the Big Ten really hadn't even considered what their alternatives were if they postponed football from the fall until <laughs> yesterday. How the fuck is that possible? I mean, like you, you have to be considering alternatives and you should have been considering them in April and May. And I, I, like you, actually think the players can and will be tremendously safe within their programs. Now, there was the thing early on that basically said we can't have college football unless students are back on campus. But I don't believe that it is it is safe to have all students back on campus. I do think it may be safe to have athletes on campus with some of the testing and uh, protocols that you have in place for them and for their fall sports. So, I, you know, I'm a little bit frustrated because I'm not sure that the, the fall need to be completely pushed off yet as it was with those. I mean, you still, like you said, you have time. I mean, the Pac-12 is going to go conference only, and they didn't have their first game scheduled till September 26th. That's still like yeah, seven weeks away. they canceled today. They canceled um, the season. Yeah, So and, and so I think, I, I mean... Again, I get why. I'm not sitting here after all we've been through and saying, how could they do this? I just feel like there wasn't a close enough look at contingencies and alternatives because I think you could be in a spot where maybe you're building yourself a schedule with a few bye weeks built in so that you could uh, you could you could flex the schedule if needed um, due to outbreaks. I'm not sure that it had to be an all or nothing start at the beginning of the fall or start in spring proposition. I think it could have been a little bit of a moving target, but I know that ambiguity causes a lot of people uh, who like planning and who, who like to have things spelled out a lot of anxiety in it. And the longer things hang in the balance, the more kind of restless people get. I get wanting to make a decision. I'm just not sure those decisions needed to be made yet, even if they were eventually warranted. That's right. kind of where I, I am. agree. And and to me, it, to take it a step further, it kind of comes down to three key points as to you know sort of the crux of the issue, the crux of the debate, and it, it basically stems to liability. Right? Who's liable if somebody dies? And it doesn't have to be a player. It can be a coach, it can be a referee, it can be a trainer, whatever it is. So who's liable? And I think that a lot of these schools are very fearful of this. I mean, there, there has been some talk about players signing liability waivers, which is something going on in a lot of other businesses around the country. That was kind of shot down. I can't understand or, or, or really explain exactly why that has been something that we haven't been willing to go to, but I guess it has to do primarily with the fact that they're unpaid labor. So it, it probably wouldn't sit well in, in a court if it got that far. The other thing, and this is something that I haven't seen any sort of definitive take on, is what are the Title IX ramifications? I mean, can they play when right. no other sports play and not, and not a single other women's sport is playing? I think that they could satisfy that by saying – these other fall sports are going to play in the spring. And then, you know, if those sports can't play in the spring, then they can't play in the spring, and you kind of get around the Title IX issue in that way. I think that's the case. And then the third thing is the, is the issue that's kind of become the hot-button topic the last couple of days. Excuse me. And that is, I think it's four or five Big Ten players have gone to the hospital with this. I don't know the word. It's a medical term that, that begins with an M. I want to say it's called myocarditis. Right, where it's a heart condition. Um, 
it's a heart condition that, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, four or five Big Ten players have, have apparently come down with. So there is some anecdotal evidence of other and I think I read that number might even be up to 15 now. I don't know if that, that may be nationwide, but, uh, but yeah, football players who have right. been and, and it seems to be a very new phenomenon, something, again, that's just come to the forefront in the past few days, at least in my purview. And I, I'm not a doctor. I don't understand the ins and outs. But it seems like, basically, the Big Ten presidents were presented with some medical evidence that gave them a tremendous amount of pause relative to this heart disease that some people, not just these college football players, but other people around the country and around the world are coming down with when when they get the coronavirus. So there are some long-term health uh, ramifications. Now, I saw a doctor today, a cardiologist that works for the Mayo Clinic, which is one of, if not the most reputable hospitals in the world, basically said that the, the evidence that they're using to shut down these seasons re- relative to this disease is basically bull. That he that he thinks that it's it's just not really a problem. That he thinks that they could safely play. So, and he's not the only doctor saying that. So, like everything else in our country related to this pandemic, there's a tremendous amount of debate. There's a tremendous amount of blame going around. There's a tremendous amount of uh, partisanship, um, and. You know, that's just kind of, everybody has an opinion. I don't know what the right answer is. But again, for me, I think that they they owe it to the players who have been practicing all this time and working out and, and by and large seem like they want, they want to play. If you give them the option to opt out if they want and they keep their scholarship and their, and their year of eligibility. I, and that's one of the things they asked for in the We Are true. United. I think you give them all that. And try to play the games if the players and the coaches want to play. I just, I think that there's too much politics. There's too much risk aversion going on here. Now, again, if you've got a situation like Rutgers had where they had like 35 positive tests, you kind of wait, you put, you put things on pause and you wait and see. But I think, you know, there's five ACC teams today that, that reported zero positive tests. To me... They should be allowed to continue to practice and get ready for a game at yeah. the very least, right? Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Yeah. And I, and the thing is, yeah, you can always say later it's not going to work. But if it's if it is working now, then it seems like shutting it down completely or postponing it by months may be a little bit of a rush to judgment. And, and again, I understand the 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 people that yeah. say this is unpaid labor. We shouldn't be putting them in a position where they're potentially putting their lives at risk, and it's just not worth it. I get that. I do. But again, like, this is a big business, number one. I mean, let's not try to make it into something that it's not. There's a tremendous amount of money at stake that has far-reaching consequences, not just for the universities, but for all the businesses and and, and everything. I mean, there's a lot at stake. But more than that, mm-hmm. I just think that players play. I mean, these guys have worked their whole lives to get to this point, and you know, for the seniors, and, and fuck the seniors. I mean, you only get four years anyway. It's a short amount of time. I feel for the kids that are there. They're healthy. They've been doing it all the right way. I think they deserve a chance to have played at least one college football game this year. 
Well, and it's like, I mean, the other thing, though, is that it's going to be dictated by what the health situation is. Of course, they deserve to. But that that but the situation may not allow that to happen. But that doesn't mean we need to shut it down yet, because right now, like you said, there are plenty of teams that are healthy and proving they can do it the right yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, the, the whole thing sucks. It, it, I mean, I know we. Yes, we, we I know can agree that on we that. can agree on that. I mean, the, the whole thing, it just it just totally sucks. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see where it goes from here. What's your bad of the week? Well, you know who else sucks? The Houston Astros. I mean, these guys. So if you haven't seen it recently, they got into their second uh, fight or altercation of the season against the Athletics on Sunday um, when they hit Ramon Laureano, an A's outfielder, with a pitch for the second time in the game and the third time over the weekend. Uh, Now, actually, I guess Laureano went on to say he didn't think any of them were intentional. He was just mad about being hit, which... Can't really blame him, but uh, the thing really escalated when he was getting yelled at by the Astros hitting coach, uh, former major leaguer Alex Cintron. And whatever he said, which apparently, according to Loriano, had something to do with his mother, um, Loriano charged the dugout and Cintron had you know three players protect him. But these guys were already the villains of baseball for the cheating scandal that they were involved in. We saw Joe Kelly go after them recently and uh, and have a have a dust up with Carlos Correa and company after uh, you know he had he had struck out Correa and had some words for him. Um, but Correa kind of helped escalate that beef, and in this case, Cintron certainly did. These guys have absolutely no business talking. They should shut up and take their licks and and whatever other people want to say or do to them this season, so be it. But this dig your heels in, we're still going to be the instigators is a bunch of bullshit. And in a time, one, during a pandemic, but two, when tensions are raising on a baseball field, it's not supposed to be your coaches escalating situations. They're supposed to be de-escalating situations. And for a bench coach to get... So to get a, a player so hot that he charges the opposing team's dugout from is first a, base is bad form. Is bad from <laughs> yeah. first base is bad form anytime, but especially right now. Now, I think the MLB got this punishment right. Loriano was suspended six games. Cintron got twenty, and if, I hope that sends I hope that sends a message. But I, you know, I think that there was a lot of uh, belief that the Astros and the way they were going about things, for, you know, from the top down as an organization was just bush league and um, and shady and and uh, and just and just kind of shitty <laughs> overall. And and they're not doing anything to curry favor, uh, bring people back, or think that they might uh, have kind of turned a corner as a franchise because they keep doing dumb shit like this. And uh, and they are just they're awful. Bush league, shady and shitty. I mean, th- those are. <laughs> three three good words used to describe the Houston Astros in 2020. I agree. Um, I didn't really follow the, the total ins and outs of this as much as you did. But, I mean, I'm going to keep this short. Fuck the Astros. <laughs> I, you know, I don't have much more than that. Fuck them and fuck Rob Manfred for his bullshit fucking penalty uh, that, that he handed down to them. If he had handled this a lot better... We wouldn't be in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yep, we agree. What's your interesting of the week? Well, so my interesting of the week uh, could be a little bit split. One is that, uh, you know, we, we can take this either way you want. One is I feel like baseball is walking an incredibly fine line. Now, we, we've seen, like, recently 28 clubs have zero positive cases, which is pretty impressive. How often are they testing these, these guys in baseball? Do you have any idea? 
I believe they're testing them every okay. other day. I think. Well, that's that's heavy testing. Um, I, I'm not positive about that. Um, Blazers win. Blazers recently, win. Yep. Yeah, Blazers Big pull win. out a tight one. But uh, but basically, you know, recently, um, the there had been I think besides the Marlins and Cardinals. 28 other clubs had zero positive cases, which was really, which I think is and was really good. Um, but then also you hear stories of this last weekend when the uh, Indians were in Chicago playing the White Sox that two of their pitchers decided to go out to a bar. And one of them they found out about and they sent him home Clevenger. in a car. Uh, and they said, and they said, you can go, you can go back to Cleveland in a, ta- in a taxi right. basically. And, and then the other one, Mike, that that was Zach Plesac. Oh, yeah. Now Mike okay. Clevenger was with with Plesac, but Clevenger apparently got on the plane with the team on Sunday, and that's the kind of shit that is not going to work if you're expecting to to finish this season. And you know, I've I've heard some rumblings now of maybe a bubble concept for the playoffs yes. in baseball. I hope baseball can make it. I thought from the very outset that first weekend when we had all those Marlins positives that, that the writing was on the wall that we most certainly were not going to make it. I've had some renewed hope based on what has gone on the last couple of weeks. But then you see stuff like this and you think, I don't know again. So what, what's interesting to me in baseball is whether or not we can make it and really whether a non-bubble sport is viable at this point in time during the pandemic. And then the other thing for me, speaking of what's viable during the pandemic is Hard Knocks starts It tonight. does? And I know that you are not a big... It does. Hard Knocks starts tonight featuring two teams for the first time. It's going to be the Rams and Chargers, both in no LA. Idea. And, you know, I I know you're not a huge uh, training camp Well, no, I love, anyways, I love Hard Knocks. I mean, we've talked about this. I know you like... No, yeah, yeah. I, I guess mostly like preseason and things like that. But what I, what I am excited about now is... Obviously, I just think the show is going to have a completely different look, tone, and feel. I mean, they will want to recreate and capture some of the things that make that show great with the um, with the editing and with uh, and all the camera stuff. But I would imagine we're probably going to see uh, a lot less of the players' personal lives because you're not going to be able right. to have cameras um, kind of following them around and stuff. I think we'll have to see a lot more stationary cameras uh, set up. But I'm also interested to see how these teams are approaching going about football during a pandemic. The, what, what, are the, what are the methods they're doing? What do their meetings look like? If they're getting reps in, what, what do yeah. those look like? I want to see the overall attitude, whether it seems like the players uh, and coaches you know, believe that they're pushing towards a normal season or whether it's, it feels more like they're kind of just running through things with the expectation that, that maybe it doesn't last. I mean, I, I am somewhat fascinated to see um, just kind of what the, what the behind the scenes of the NFL looks like right now amid this time. And then, yeah, like I said, uh, interested to see if baseball can make it and what they'll have to do to make it. But those are, those are my, my dueling interestings of the week. Yeah. Really, really good ones. Um, I was, like I said, completely unaware that Hard Knocks was starting tonight. So is it like one hour split between the Rams and Chargers? I don't know if it is going to be a back and forth format or if it's going to be, if you know, if they give us a Chargers storyline and then a meanwhile in the Rams headquarters storyline or if they go half and half or if it's alternating episodes. I really okay. don't know. I, will well, I look forward me. to watching that. That'll be great for all the reasons that you named. Uh, what was the first? Oh, baseball. Yeah, I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's going pretty damn well, honestly. I mean, it is, and I was yeah. really skeptical, and and then I and then I was encouraged, and I'm a little yeah. Skeptical I mean, again. you obviously have this problem where a bunch, excuse me, a bunch of teams haven't played that many games relative to the other teams. I mean, 
Just mm-hmm. looking at the standings here in the National League East, the Marlins have played 10 games and the Braves have played 18 games. And the Phillies have played 11 and the Nats have played 12. And what about 12. the Cardinals? Haven't the Cardinals only played the five The Cardinals six? have played f- five games. They're, they're two and yeah, three. that's going to be tough. They're two and three, the Cardinals are. And, and the Cubs have played 13 games. I mean... It's just, I don't understand how they're going to sort of make up these games in time for everybody to play the full 60. But, you know, I guess they're going to try to figure it out. I'm interested to see how that's going to work. I hope that we get to find out. I hope that we get to that point. I hope, really, that we get a full October of playoff baseball. If they want to do a bubble or not, I really don't care. Just get, put, I keep saying it, put the games on the TV. I'm enjoying it, man. I, I think that... Because of the sports and because of of other things too, for me at least, this last two to three week stretch has been the most quote unquote normal I have felt since mm-hmm. the pandemic started. Um, and and uh, again, I attribute a lot of that to having something to watch sports wise on TV every night. I'm loving it. I'm watching the Braves almost every night. I told you how I watched the PGA. I'm gearing up for the NBA. I haven't watched any hockey or soccer, but I never really do anyway. Uh, but I, you know, just keep it coming because I do think that at best, you know, we get—I mean, a, a, a dream perfect scenario would have the NFL ending sometime in February, and then I just think that basically, once baseball and the NBA end at the end of October, maybe you have football on the weekend, maybe you don't. You're not going to have much else. And I think that the winner, by and large, in this country is going to be terrible with this virus. I think a lot of things are going to be closed. It's cold. You're not going to be able to do the outside stuff now that you're able to do. So, you you know, mm-hmm. you got to get your kicks in before the whole shithouse goes up in flames. It's kind of the way I'm looking at all of this on a sports and societal level. Because I think the winner is going to really fucking suck. And then... Hopefully after that, we kind of come out of things and things are a little bit better. I think there's a lot of signs pointing towards that. But that's another, you know, six, seven, eight months, best case scenario, I think. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's kind of how I'm approaching it. I'm just trying to enjoy it as much as I can right now while it's still going. Everything across the board. Yeah, and I, I mean, I especially, towards the tail end of last week, just loved the packed sports calendar between a golf major, uh, some play-in basketball, some play-in hockey, some, um, you know, there was, there, I, watched, I mean, I you, you've been watching pro, NASCAR regularly, the there was a doubleheader. That was yeah. pretty good. They, they yeah. had a then successful it, bubble in Utah and did a whole tournament, and... Uh, and that, to me, is what makes it feel normal, though, is that we have so now we actually legitimately have sports viewing options. It's like, oh, I'd rather watch my baseball team right now than the PGA Championship, or I'd rather watch this NBA totally. game. I mean, that part of it, as just a sports consumer, feels normal. Agree and that completely. Feels and, and to that point, you know, I've been talking about how much I've been watching NASCAR. Now that these other sports are back, I'm not really watching NASCAR anymore. And, you know, I do kind of miss it, but that's just it. I mean, I would rather watch the PGA Championship or the Braves play, or even if there's a good NBA game on, I'd rather watch, even in this regular season, I'd still rather watch that uh, than NASCAR. And, you know, NASCAR ratings are down, but that's just kind of how, again, that's normal. That's how our society is supposed to be. And I love it. I like it a lot. Yeah, you and um, me both. Okay. Well, uh, my You're interesting in the week. In the week. 
I am... I guess my interest into the week is... I don't know. You sent me one, you sent me one word. And, and you actually hit on a lot of it. You, you hit on <laughs> NFL. Uh, you hit on MLB. And... Oh, I actually thought you meant like a crap load of food, not like a sports no, smorgasbord. You know, Joe Biden tonight picked his <laughs> VP, his running mate, Kamala Harris. I am actually surprised. It feels like politically, at least. And when I say politically, I'm talking about the president. It feels like the last few weeks have actually been a little more tame. And that surprises me on some level. I mean, there's been plenty to chew on. I've been expecting some real crazy shit to go down geopolitically here, and it seems like things have calmed down a little a little bit. But I'm just interested mm-hmm. in just kind of generally where we are in this country b- between everything that's going mm-hmm. on. You know, the big ticket items between the election, the pandemic, uh, the social the social unrest, um, and everything that mm-hmm. kind of. The, the schools reopening stuff. I mean, you've got college football is a big story. There's just so much going on that it actually... A lot feels like it's heading in the Yeah, balance. but it actually feels a little bit more calm than it has been. A Maybe little, little more bit stable. more. And I, I'm, that makes me feel uneasy. I think some big shit's going to happen. You've also got these reports, Ryan, and this isn't going to affect you at all. On the on the West Coast, but they're predicting a very tumultuous hurricane season coming our way here. We already had a tropical mm. storm towards the end of August and into September. They're predicting one of the you know just a lot of storms to be coming up from the tropics. So I've got my eye on that, and I just think you know I don't know. I'm just very interested to see where everything goes on this national scene relative to all of those things. That I just mentioned. I mean, again, I think that the social justice now has been, the social justice movement has been really sort of epicentered in your neck of the woods, in both Portland primarily. Mm -hmm. Seems that's where there's been some conflict for sure. And Seattle. And I think that there's more of that to come. I mean, you you hear about just the tremendous amount of violence and homicide in large cities, uh, Chicago and Atlanta, to to be. specific but you know i wonder how much that all of this is going to be affected by the majority of public schools in this country not opening here in a couple of weeks and and kids high school kids middle school kids basically having nothing to do for the foreseeable future and you know uh so many people still without their jobs so much Mm -hmm. uh built up frustration and anger i'm just very interested to see how it all plays out. No, no predictions. Uh, just a lot of interest and intrigue. Because I don't think we're anywhere close to this 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 election being settled. I don't think we're anywhere close to this pandemic being settled. I don't think we're anywhere close to this social justice movement being settled. Again, as you said, a lot hanging in the balance. And I'm interested to see where it all goes. Yeah, I, I, I am too. I mean, uh, it's weird because, you know, you don't want to you don't want to sit here and, uh, and kind of guess too much at how things are going to play out or really set at this point, uh, you know, set any specific expectations on it. But, uh, I certainly am interested to see how a lot of this plays out. All right, cool. Um, you got a wild card. 
Not off the top of my head. I could I could probably stew on one or think okay, of one. Okay, I've got one. a little bit. A, a little bit of one. Okay. It, okay. All right. So I took my kids to the pool tonight. Uh, well, not really even tonight. Late, late afternoon, 5 o'clock. And my kids are playing with this kid. And, and we've seen him quite a few times. And his dad's always sort of sitting there. I recognize his dad. And uh, I, I my wife had been there and she left. And, I, and she took my youngest son Jake's like little Iron Man figurine that he likes to play with in the pool. And he was getting upset. Okay. And then this dad goes, if you'll watch my son in the pool, I'll go to my car. He's got an Iron Man in the car. I'll bring it so your son can play with it. It's like, how nice. I mean, that, that's just incredibly nice. I had never met this man before. Uh, he, he went and got it. And then we started talking. Turns out he is a senior strategist for the governor of Virginia, Governor Northam, who has been a real wow. lightning rod, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons and, and, and is a Democrat. And we started talking and I had, a, I had a great conversation with him and we started talking. I mean, Kamala Harris had just been picked. In fact, I didn't even know. I guess he had looked on his phone or whatever, or perhaps he even knew it was coming because he's on the inside. He told me some great stories. But one thing we were talking about is just sort of what we were just talking about, just kind of how fucked up and shitty a lot of things are in, <laughs> in this country. And we ranked our top three worst organizations in this country right now. Wow. So oh, go boy. ahead. Have at it. Rank for me oh, your top man. three worst organizations in America. And then I'll give you mine. Worst organizations in America. <laughs> wow, that is so deep. Um, oh God, I think. Um, oh, there's. I mean, there are so many. There's so many places to go here. Um, man, I feel like I want to pick one in a couple different categories right. or something. Um, gosh. Like, I mean, I don't real. I mean, listen, I, I like that, you know, we, that we have certain rights, but I don't, you know, the, the NRA basically stumping for more guns all the time <laughs> doesn't do a lot for me. Um, putting more guns in the hands of more citizens doesn't seem like something that we need as a society or community right now. Um, so, and, and I know that recently the uh, New York Attorney General, I believe, filed suit to uh, dissolve yeah, the NRA. So that might be reason reason enough to uh, to put them mm -hmm. on that list. Certainly, um, a, let's certainly see. a worthy candidate. Um, I mean, really, if you, uh, I, I don't know, because it's, I don't know how recognized, but uh, I mean, any any pro racism group or pro white supremacy mm -hmm. group, uh, I would I would put at the very mm -hmm. top of that list. Um, so whether that's uh, you know the, the Proud Boys or some other sort of militia group that thinks they can walk around, maybe with your guns boys, and intimidate the Boogaloo. And, yeah, maybe the Boogaloo. Yeah, I mean, yeah, one of them. I think certainly needs to be on the list. Um, and then, uh, man, let's see. Um, I mean, I'm always, I'm always compelled to just say like mm -hmm. the NCAA because yes. they're, they're constantly, you know, they're having, they're having these, these student athletes generate millions of dollars for the institutions and they're getting nothing out of it. And they're doing really very well, little. For not them, that uh, much to like play. It. So, so, uh, so I'll, I'll go with those three. What, what did you guys come up we with? We agreed. Uh, on all three, and it, and it didn't take us long. So here, here's my official rankings. Worst three organizations in America. Coming in at number three, you named it, 
the NCAA. Coming in at number two, you didn't name it, but I think they are fucking awful. It's the Democratic Party. And coming, coming in at mm. number one is your Republican Party. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, basically the major political parties take the yeah, top two spots. Yeah, I just think spots. that the state of politics in this country is fucking horrible on every level. Yeah. All they do is fight mm-hmm. and try to divide people. They're completely tied in to special interest groups. I don't think either side really does much of anything for the common man or uh, no, they're they're doing the bidding of the people who line their pockets, which is part of why the whole system on both sides sucks. I mean, I think that the, the Democrats for their for, for for them to to be able to only trot out Hillary Clinton and now, you know, a decrepit Joe Biden as their two nominees mm-hmm. to take on who, in my opinion, is the worst American of all time in Donald J. Trump. I mean, I just think it's it's sickening that they can't come up with anyone better. And I think that the, the two senior leaders of the party on a national level, your girl, Nancy Pelosi, and your boy, Chuck Schumer, are both just the bottom of the barrel. You know, if, you know, again, if the Republican Party didn't exist in its current state, they would just be the worst ever. But <laughs> <laughs> good news for the Democrats. I mean, they've I got the aforementioned Donnie T leading the way and all of his sycophants. Uh, you know, from Ted Cruz to Marco Rubio to all the rest of them. You know, the, the, the tie-in with the NRA, the possible tie-ins with foreign powers all over the world who, who generally are not our allies. And, it, you know, we can go down the list, but they're the worst. They're the worst to me. The NCAA, we've detailed. Everybody knows how terrible they are. But this is generally a sports podcast. But that's it. I mean, it's the, to me, there's not a lot of debate. I mean, there's, there's, there, you know, the NRA, certainly don't like them, certainly not a fan of Boogaloo, certainly not a fan of, of, of some of these institutions that the Democrat, that particularly the, the far left progressive wing is in bed with. None of it's good, but just on a general level, that the, those are the three worst to me. I, I, I have a hard time, I have a hard time arguing that. I think that we can probably come to terms that the five groups that we listed all are great. Not great. Not great for you, for me, really for anyone, except for the the, the rich corporations that are sort of uh, tied to them. So, I mean, I guess that's where we're at right now as a country as we sit here in month, you know, five going on six of this pandemic where things are just really not that sweet. And I'm going to end on this. a pet, here's, a, here's a little pandemic pet peeve of mine that I've come to really hate. Okay. I'm really tired of people saying that, that things are weird, okay? That things, you know, oh, these are weird times. Things are weird. Ooh, that was weird. No, they're not weird. They're fucking awful, okay? Let's just be real. Like, our society is the worst it's ever been in my lifetime, and I think in anyone's lifetime that's alive on a whole bunch of levels— And again, I feel very fortunate that my life has not been significantly impacted to this point. Uh, Very fortunate, very grateful, very thankful. But society at large is terrible. It's not weird. It's terrible. So just a little little pet peeve of mine here during the pandemic. Uh, Well, mine would be the wearing a mask, not covering the nose. If you're going to fucking wear it, cover your fucking nose. You can transmit it through your damn nose. So that's what I got. That's a really good point. I mean, 
I feel like, I don't know, maybe I've been even a little bit too lenient on that. Maybe I should start calling it out a little more. It is so strange. I do see it a lot, particularly like at stores where you're checking out. It's like, you know, the worker is just sick and tired of wearing it. And I get that, but it's like, come on. Like, let, let's put it over the nose, shall we? Yeah, it's not, yeah. I, oh, oh, it's uncomfortable? You don't, see, that's the thing is, I don't understand if it's defiance or, mis, or, or misunderstanding or a combination of the yeah. two. Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like the people are clueless. Other times I feel like, well, it's just not comfortable for me it's and I don't to want say. to. Um, but either way, dumb. Bad. Pet peeve. All right, we kept this bad boy under an hour. First time in a long time. Tight. Tight. Succinct. Kept it tight. I think it was good. I hope that you all, whoever out there is listening, I hope you agree. Um, but I enjoyed it. And let's try and do a show next week. Maybe we'll do one next week. Maybe we'll do one in two weeks. But it won't be longer than that. But for now, sports on, everybody. Sports on. Um, what are we looking forward to? Mm, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to the NBA playoffs on Sunday, starting. Right? Which, I mean, around, um, I think. Yeah, it's. I, I'm not uh, sure the exact it's either date. Sunday or yeah, Monday. I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. So that so that will have started. Um, and uh, I mean that that's really probably what I'm looking at the yeah, most. Yeah. For me, it's uh, I'm driving down with my family to Isla Palm, South Carolina, on Saturday for a little week Ooh. at the beach. Really looking forward to Sounds it. Lovely. I've been to the South Carolina beaches once three summers ago. I thought it was met. Don't forget Iron Man. I won't forget Iron Man. Uh, We might have to rent a trailer to bring all the different toys my kids are going to want to bring. But but that's okay. We're (laughs) we're not going to do that. We're just going to stuff it in the trunk and whatever can fit in fits in. And that's kind of how it's going to go. Well, safe travels to you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. I'll talk to you guys later. I should talk to you guys. I'll talk to you later. Uh, Always great talking to you, Ryan. All right, good night, everybody. Sleep tight. Good night, y'all.